talk a little bit about um, the theology of the body. Sure. Yeah. What is a body? Okay. Let's talk a bit about that. Um, you also you also like a psychologist, right? Yeah. That's well, cool. I, I, not technically. Or, or. I have a master's degree in clinical psychology. Okay. So in America, to be a licensed clinical psychologist, you have to be a PhD. Okay. So I would I would have had something called a licensed professional counselor, which is a master's level. Yeah. But I don't have that anymore because I didn't keep it. I didn't want to do that. In Australia, so. we tend to have a you know we tend to let lots of people do lots of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So my master's is in clinical psychology with an emphasis on marriage and sex. Okay, fantastic. Um, so, I'll, yeah, I'll, uh, I don't know you well enough to joke too much, but... Um, <laughs> oh, I, you can joke. Because you you, you, you're a single guy, right? Yeah, um, so yeah, I'm not married. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So can we just talk a little bit about um, the body? Why... Why did God choose to make people with bodies and physically rather than just be spiritual um, spiritual beings floating around with God? It would have been awesome. Mm. But God chose to make a, a, a physical embodied people. Yeah. Why, why did God do that? Why is that important now? Because the spinoff is we're having a lot of issues with our, our bodies, bodies right now. Yeah. And maybe even disassociation with bodies and yes. a lot of just challenges with this area. I feel like it's a it's a it's a theology that's kind of a gap. Yeah. Like a, like, when I say theology, I just mean thinking rightly in in a, in a God way Correct. about it. Yeah. Um, can you just talk to us about um, your thoughts on that? Sure. So I think. I think we should expect there to be a gap around the theology of the body when, for 180 years, Christianity made the whole goal about being disembodied. Yes. Okay. So if if for 180 years the entire goal is to go somewhere when we die, float away to like right, <laughs> yeah, uh, rapture to, to and, a place called heaven. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna go somewhere else, right? Yeah, right. Um, when the entire theology around those things in a certain element of Christianity. This is, to be fair, i got to be fair to my Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters. Yeah. It has not been true in their world. Right. Um, but, but in our world, for certain. I'd say a lot of people in the West don't even know what Eastern Orthodox means. Right, right. They've, right. they've never even heard of it, so that's probably They're fine. the early church, so the people who gave us the Bible. <laughs> okay. but, um, but, but, but for our, that really doesn't matter because we're talking about our world. So in our world... You cannot expect to make the entire theology about going somewhere else in a disembodied way to not at some point pay the price with people being confused about the role of the holiness of their body, right? right. And right. so I, the culprit is squarely us. Yes. Uh, it is squarely a heaven-only mentality. Yes. It is squarely the uh, the idea that the ultimate goal is to get somewhere else whereas in the jewish world and in the eastern orthodox world they wouldn't really ask do you go to heaven when you die right they would ask if you walked into heaven tomorrow would you like it right right so so like an example i like to use is and this will get us to the body because let's talk about the most basic thing about a person's body the color of their skin okay so so what if someone's a racist? If a racist walked into heaven tomorrow, 
And the only reason he got in is because with two seconds left in his life, he authentically accepted Christ. Okay? So this dude, KKK, right, dies, and he, and he wakes up at a table with every tribe, tongue, and race. Is he in heaven or hell? But to the racist, heaven is hell. He might not like it. He wouldn't like it. And so, and so this is why I'll give someone 10000 bucks if they can show me one time Jesus stopped a sermon and asked someone to accept him in their heart to be their personal Lord and Savior in order to go to heaven when you die. Right. That was never Jesus' invitation. How did, how did yeah. something Jesus never said became our main thing? Yeah. And, and, and then expect to get the body right? Like Jesus' invitation was far more profound than that, which is... Here's what heaven looks like. Allow this to be so far established in you today that when you do walk into heaven, you don't get whiplash. And, and, and step one of that is stop thinking people less human than you because they look different. And so, and so in the South, I'll give you an example. In the South, in America, where I come from, in 1950, um, the most Christian city on earth was Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. 98% of everybody went to church on Sunday and Wednesday. Incredible. But, but it was also illegal in 1950 for a black person to go to a white dentist. So yeah. what would happen is, is Christian white dentists would make black people go to the vet to get their teeth fixed. Fully demonstrating the possibility of your full faith being in the sacrifice of Jesus to save your individual butt from hell, but missing the point about Jesus's love for the whole world. Yeah. And, and so this is the whole problem about seeing the cross as a way out of hell. As a ticket. Right. Versus a technology that inspires us to bring heaven to every place we see hell here. Right. To allow heaven to be established in us now. How does a Christian person tell someone that doesn't look like them, you got to go to the vet to get your teeth fixed? And still go to church on Sunday. But they did. They, they all did. And it's, I'm not pointing any one particular person out. I'm talking about systemic problems. Yep. Well, then, then once you have civil rights, not sorted, but better, and once there's less of that, well, then the confusion's got to go somewhere else. Yep. And, and with, when it comes to our body, um, there was something, how old are you, man? 37. All right, I'm 47. So you came in on the tail end of purity culture. Yep. Tail end. It was ending. I was smack dab in the middle of it. Yep. And, and what happened was, not so to make this short, was the people born in the 40s were sexually out of control. <laughs> right. I mean... Sexual revolution. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the, the science on this is unthinkable. Like, the promiscuity of the generation born in the 40s, unthinkably promiscuous. Like, I was so shocked by the findings that I took it to my dad. <laughs> my dad was born in 46. And I was like, Dad, I don't want to know the details, bro. But Yeah, my dad was born in, in 42. He yeah. has 11 children. Well, yeah, and yes. and and that and that's that's just somebody that likes sex with no birth control. If 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 he was in a monogamous relationship with your mom, I'm talking about flat promiscuity, 
Right. Like I'm talking about like, so I, I, I said to my dad, I said, I don't want to know the details, but do you agree or disagree with this? You know? And dad said, I just want to make sure I understand this. Is that thing saying I had more sex or less sex than my grandchildren? I said, dad, way more like infinite, like a lot, 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 lot more. And dad went, for sure. He said, man, I was 17 years old in 1963, bro. Of course. So when I hear a 75-year-old go, oh, this generation these days. What, you got amnesia? Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, are you serious? So, and, and I want to be fair to them. Even that generation was far more pure than, say, the British Empire. Or worse, the Roman Empire. Sure. I mean, it, like... The world's better than it's ever been. Yeah. Like just as one example about how the body gets messed up. So there was a group of people called the Gali, G-A-L-L-I, okay? They were underclass boys that were kidnapped from their villages and forced to serve as slaves in the temple of Kibla, who was a female goddess. And what they did is they emasculated them. They just cut everything off. They made them wear wigs or grow their hair out. And then they dressed them up like women and made them play flutes, like in the temple. So, Right? And I just blew into the mic. That was not good. And, you know, right? I am a professional. So, um, and, and then they were forced to be, um, to endure horrendous assault by overclassed people. So when Paul says, it's really shameful for a man to dress up like a woman and wear his hair long. He's not talking about your haircut choice in 2023. He's talking about the raping of boys in the temple. And so I believe that God is redeeming the whole broken thing and he's doing a really good job and he's not close to done, but it's anything we're seeing today is Nickelodeon compared to back then. Okay. Right. And, and probably Nickelodeon compared to the sixties. Right. <laughs> and so what happened is because the sixties and seventies were out of control by the early eighties to the late nineties, there was something called purity culture. And purity culture taught us to have a horrendous relationship with our body. It was toxic, horrible. Let me mince no words. There was nothing good about it, okay? And because the images were spoiled. So here are things I actually saw with my own two eyes. I was in a youth meeting where they put a white wedding dress on the stage, and the preacher took a thing and slung mud. And there's these little spotches of mud all over this wedding dress, and he said, that's what you'll look like on your wedding day if you mess up right? Or they took a bottle of water and they put two drops of ink in it. It's just two mistakes. It's just two mistakes. And they shake it up. That's what you look like, right? And then they said really dumb things like, see, these people are younger. They're looking at me like that was never said. Believe me. Look at their faces. These two right here. I I just happened to do this. And both of them were like, (laughs) they're engaged. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but, but, but they're, they're, they're also young, and they're horrified by the stupidity, right? And so, and so, but nobody over there is. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That, yeah. That's right. We were told yeah. that kind of dumbness. And then, and, and then this is stuff I heard. Like a youth pastor told a whole room of, of, of people, and let me be clear. He said it to everybody, but he was talking to the girls. The onus was on the girls way more than on the boys. Like it's kind of the girls' fault if— Right? right, that was the right. implication. And he said, "Listen here, the greatest gift you can give your future spouse is your virginity." No, it's not. I could think of a hundred things you'd rather your future spouse be than a virgin. Like, 
supportive, kind, have integrity, not lazy, good with money, generous, yet a responsible receiver, like someone that promotes peace in the home, like a virgin, like I don't bathe, but I'm a virgin. Here's your prize. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm going to gamble all the money away, but I'm a virgin. You're welcome. Uh, like it just led to the stupidest stuff. And, and the problem yeah. was, was the ruined images. Like yeah. your purity is like a diamond. And if you scuff it, can never unscuff it well that's not the gospel and right. so what it did is is it created a toxic relationship with people with their bodies from a ditch on this to trying to avoid my parents generation of the 60s <laughs> they created another ditch on this side that was like really harmful and really toxic yeah. imagine telling a girl her whole life ignore your sexual side at all and then when you get married, it'll all come on at once. And right. it's going to be awesome. Right. Likely not. Likely you've created enough baggage and images that's going to that's gonna create harm. Yeah. So the question is then, is how do we honor God with our bodies? And I've got a yeah. few thoughts on that. One. Well, let me just say before okay. you get to that, I think just want to affirm that because we passed it in Japan 15 years. Mm. Sexually, it's out of control. It's wild. Oh, is it? But it's just not talked about okay, so okay. underneath it's, okay. it's a party but it's yeah it's not like that on the surface yeah and i think one of the my wife and i did like pre-marriage preparation for maybe 50 or 100 young couples mm. and i think probably the biggest thing that we had to talk about was sex is good right because mostly it was a feeling of sex is bad yeah shame-based images shame yeah. shameful and I, I really, I thought that was surprising to me, yeah. but we had to spend most of the time in a positive, yeah. um, creating new positive images around sex. Yeah. yeah. And, and just pleasure. Like, cause really close to sex is bad is all pleasure is bad. Right. Right. And so then you don't even know how to tell your partner what you want. It's just all sort of taboo and yeah. bad. And then we ask the stupidest questions known to man, like, is it right or wrong? Can I still go to heaven if I do it? Yeah. You know, how far can I go and still go to heaven if I do it, <laughs> right? Or I was, I was in a Q&A. This is pretty recent, actually. I was in a Q&A. I just got to, I'll make sure, no, there's no kids in here, are there? No. Oh, okay, great. So, so I was- A few childish so, people, maybe. But. Yeah, but that's okay. So I was in this Q&A, and, and, and it was one of these situations where, you could text anonymous questions to a phone like, you know, 44826 and like, like no one knows who it's from or, you know, anything. And, and, and I'm, this is live. Like I'm talking, there's a thousand people in the room and it's flipping live. I, I like, and, and so the MC goes, um, the next question is, uh, is it a sin to masturbate? You know? And I thought, what a dumb way to frame that question. Yeah. Like, is it a, like, yes or no? Quick. Is it a sin? Well, the first question is, is where are you? If you're in drive through at McDonald's, yes, it's a sin. To, are, you on, are you in the middle seat in an airplane? It is definitely a sin. Like, are you, like, are you, like, like how dumb is that, right? And I'm going, what? Right? Like, it's not a great spectator sport, you know? Are other people involved? You know, or are there a bunch of wee little people? Like, what's, like, all this is contextual. So, um, and all of that results, all of that results in a theology of the body 
that is confusing at best. And then the people who purport that theology then look down on people for being confused about their body. Mm. It's like, well, hold on. Right. And, and there's, there's several answers to this that I think are helpful. I don't think they're complete. I think they're helpful. Right. I think the most helpful answer comes back to the thing you mentioned earlier. Salem, male and female, image bearers. Yep. I think instead of asking, is it right or wrong? Or can I go to heaven if I do it? Or how far can I go? I think the far better question is, does my sexual behavior, if perpetuated, I'm not talking about mistakes. I'm talking about, my, does my sexual behavior, if perpetuated into perpetuity, does it honor the image bearer in the person or does it objectify them? I think that solves, oh, I'm guessing, but 85 to 90% of issues when it comes to behavior. Right. Not that, that, I'm not talking about orientation issues or gender issues or birth issues. I'm talking about just sexual behavior. Um, does my sexual behavior objectify them or honor the, I mean, that would handle the porn issues. Yep. Um, that would handle adultery issues. Um, and of course there's less promiscuity today than the sixties. Of course there is because if, if girls are taught from birth, think higher of yourself and boys are taught from birth, taught from birth, respect women more. Well, there's going to be less promiscuity because there's less objectification. Um, that, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to evince itself in the one pure picture that somebody is picturing as some ideal. But it's certainly better than the erotica narrative. I think, I, I think like, there's a way to relate to someone from sexuality and there's a, relate, there's a way to relate to someone from genitality. Yes. And, and sexuality relates to someone from your identity. Genitality relates to someone for your identity. That's two different things. Yeah. Because the greatest gift you can give your partner is being okay without them. Because if you know who you are without them, then, well, let's say, if you don't know who you are without them, You'll need them. And that's okay in attraction that kind of feels good. They need me, right? Nobody wants to live with someone that needs them. They can't carry the weight of that. But when you know who you are without them, you can give them the gift of not needing them. And that frees you to want them. And that's far more profound. And I, I, think, I, I think there's some principles around image bearer and objectification there's some image around temple issues, like, like where does God, if God lives there, then I can dissociate my body from my behavior. But right. if God is in me and holding the whole thing together and them together, then, so I'll, I'll, there's no indictment. Like if, if, if anybody listening to this has been hiring prostitutes, I want you to know you'd be welcome here into journey. And like, I, I just, I've ne that's something I've never done. And it's not because I'm a holy person. It's probably because I'm scared of things. So I just never, I've just never thought to do, but, but if you, if you, if you, prostitution only works if you objectify them. Because if you see one God holding the whole thing together, that's not a, that, that's not a behavior you can really, you can really engage in. Um, and so there's, there's my body's a temple issue 
Um, and then they're scapegoating. So I'm doing this off the top of my head because it's not like they sent me all these questions. But they're scapegoating, which is I'm going to absolve myself from dealing with my issue here because at least I'm not like them. Right. And so I think sex is very closely related to food. Because, because, and I don't mean using strawberries and sex. <laughs> I, 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 these are metaphors. Um, I mean, the way we relate to food and the way we relate to sex has a similar psychology mm. because both are pleasure-based and both are need-based, right? Right, right? So, so there, are, there are sexual anorexics. And to be fair, in purity culture, that's what we were taught. Yeah. Just ignore it. Turn it off. Don't give it any place. You're like, yeah, but I'm, I'm 14 and I wake up in the morning and <laughs> things are happening, you know, and what do I, like, like what, what do I do? In, in, the, in the Bible, five weeks after their first period, they were married, so it's hardly that they had to wait. They, like, there was no such thing as, yeah. you, you had your first period, you were married in five weeks. You're not getting married at 30. You were dead at 32, which is why there was less divorces. Because till death do us part was more doable, right? It's like, well, hang on. Like, it's so, it's so, you know, so sometimes I'll say to somebody being belligerent, okay, I'll give you some money if you can tell me one place where it says don't have sex before you're married, right? And they can't really do it because it doesn't say it like that. Right. Because in, in the Bible... I get the principle, but in, in the Bible, they got, like, sex before marriage would have been forbidding child sex. Like, don't have prepubescent sex. Right. Which. Doesn't really work. Yeah, amen. Right? Like, yeah. And so, and, and so, and so you're, the, the sexual anorexics are kind of dangerous in the sense that they don't have a good relationship with their own body. They don't have a good relationship with their own pleasure with their own, like, what, what do I enjoy? They're often confused about what they want in life because it, it leaks out, right? The whole thing is like, well, I'm not allowed to identify what gives me, like, like it's bad. So yeah. there's, there's sexual anorexics. And then there's sexual gluttons. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's dangerous too. Like, and I wouldn't say one's more dangerous than the other. Right. I would say they're different. Um, Sexual gluttons is sexual anorexics are were angels, not sexual at all. Sexual gluttons are were animals. We're just flipping food for the stomach, the stomach for food. God will destroy it all. We may as well go for it, right? Which, by the way, in Corinth, that's how you hired a prostitute. You would go to the prostitution house and say, "Food for the stomach, and the stomach for food. God will destroy them all." Because prostitution in the first century was raping underclass. Nobody was there by choice. They were underclass people who were forced to serve in these brothels. Right. And so food for the stomach, stomach for food, God will So, so you got, you got sexual anorexis, and then you got sexual gluttons. But then in the middle, you have something I think is the most dangerous, and that's, that's sexual bulimics. The, the mm. people who, they can't control themselves, so they binge, and then they feel so bad about binging, they purge. Yeah. And... Um, and when we when we relate to anything around pleasure that way, it, it becomes very unhealthy. And so, I but I think if you wanted me to simplify this, I would say, come back to two tensions. One, does my behavior honor the image bearer or the object? 
And does my behavior honor the sacred or is it profane? So, so profanity just is taking something that's sacred and treating it as, as if it's common. And I think yeah. those two tensions alone give us enough to wrestle with around, um, around how do we handle our own bodies. And, um, and, and to me, the people who try to make it the most simple, you know, like this is simple. It's not because um, there's all kinds of, well, I, well, one, and this is no indictment, but what percentage of people in this room right now can tell us how sex develops biologically? Maybe two, and I would be one of them because my master's degree is in it. So when people who can't even tell you how sex develops biologically are trying to make rules around sex, they probably should learn more before they speak, right? And so, so you have that ignorant side of it, and then, and then they try to oversimplify it, and the people who do that tend to hide the most, and sexual darkness tends to thrive in hidden spaces. Yep. And, so, yeah. and so there's, there's uh, image-bearing objects, temples or, or, or gods distant, there's sacred or profane, and then at, at the end of the day, uh, we have to discuss or at least wrestle inside of ourselves with how we relate to anything that gives us pleasure, not just sexuality. Because the yeah. problem with objectifying a person is that it leaks. So if I objectify the actor on the pornography uh, store or whatever, yeah. um, that, that's one thing. But I'll, if I learn to objectify her, I'll objectify the person who cut me off in traffic. I'll objectify the, the person I'm in the car with and they're driving. I'll objectify the waiter who takes too long to get my order. I'll, yep. objectify, I'll objectify the nurse at my doctor's office who isn't moving fast enough. Yep. And we'll start to see people as objects to serve us instead right. of one God holding us all together. Yeah, so I love that it's more of a holistic approach you're trying to... Oh, 100%. And I would just say this, this is in, in this, I, there was, I just recently, four weeks ago, did a two-hour masterclass on sexuality um, and, and so if you YouTube, um, all, um, Grace City Church, Albany, Georgia, Shane Willard sexuality, there'll be two parts that come up. I, I actually didn't know they were recording it at the time, but they did. And they were recording it for an in-house thing, but it got posted. And then now I'm getting feedback everywhere. You got to do this. Um, and it's meant to be an introduction. There's an 11 part series on my table, um, around how to think about this topic better really wow. yeah it's 11 That's parts awesome. and, and they were done it's done as uh 15 minute segments that are meant to be discussion based at the end awesome so it's meant to be a discipleship aid love that love that super important mm-hmm. um man really appreciate uh jumping into this topic sure um wow just so blessed good thank you thank you uh we really appreciate you uh, can't wait to have you back come on to discuss more um, I think we've all got food for thought here um, and uh, really appreciate your time. Hey, God bless. It's been great.